Good morning. One more time. Good morning. Nice. Hey, we're in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Verse 21. Actually, we'll start in 19. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, giving them instructions about the kingdom and about the way God looks at the world, and he has some challenging things to say. Verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Eugene Peterson puts it like this in the message, that last line. He says, it's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Where is your treasure? Where is your focus? The thing that drives you, your inner being, where is it focused? Because there you will also be as well. The Bible has an interesting view of the heart. It probably calls it best as the seat of the will um, and is more closely associated rather than the beating organ in between your chest with your bowels. And while that's a little strange, the logic is fairly simple. In an organic, visceral culture like the ancient Hebrews, where do you, as moderns, where do you feel anxious? Where do you feel nervous? It's here. It's in the bowels. It's in the stomach. It's in the pit of your being. So in a culture where they don't necessarily have the physiological understanding and the physical understanding of their world, that's where they put their focus. So when the Bible talks about the heart, it's really talking about that seat of emotion, that seat of being deep inside of you. The Bible talks about the heart in a number of ways. It notes that the human heart is bent towards evil and in need of restoration and even replacement. You're probably familiar with the phrase hardened heart, as in Pharaoh's. Rather than a hardened heart, you'd probably actually be better if you translated that or looked at that as hardened liver. A liver being something that takes in impurities and also gives out very, very many important chemicals for the body to function properly. Pharaoh's heart was hardened and had shut down. It no longer could receive revelation or a, a change, no longer was capable of taking in information and then making decisions to change from there. If you look real quickly at Ezekiel 36, 26, one of the prophets of God is speaking to Israel during their self-imposed exile. They're feeling the effects of their decisions, and they're feeling them in a really a pretty big way as they're in a land not of their own, and God says to his people, still comforting them, a new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and make you follow my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances. God is replacing the heart of his people, the heart of stone 
that no longer was able to see clearly what he wanted them to do in the world and enjoy his blessings and rather giving them a new heart, a heart that would allow them to receive those blessings. In sum, the Bible views the heart as the seat of the will. It is the inner driving force of the human being. So I ask you again, where is your treasure? Where is your heart? Jesus is in effect saying, where we place our focus is a direct reflection of who we are at our innermost being. Where you are focused right now in your life is a direct reflection of who you are in here. I want to read you a list of words. And I want you to think about these, these words. I actually have two lists, and I'm not going to tell you when I start the other one. And I want you to just think of how these words make you feel. What associations come to you when I just simply read these words? Honesty. Uprightness. Integrity. Kindness. Selflessness. Love, strength, life, beauty, light, revealing, abuse, violence, noise, selfishness. Covetousness, anger, gossip, pornography, darkness, hiding. I want you to think about what words your brain associated with. What words made you happy, free, warm even, What words in that list brought you peace? What words made you uncomfortable? Brought you thoughts you didn't want to think, took your brain on a path you didn't want to be, brought up emotions or memories that make you uncomfortable. And why? I want to move on to talk about value, and I'll hit on that list and maybe explain it a little bit more later. What we value the most is what we trust. We put our trust in what we value the most. Values are fairly simple. It's it sounds like a it's typically an you know a a term you use in ethics, but it's actually very simple. Values are what you value. What you value, what you put your focus on. Those are your values. What we value the most is what we trust. What we value gives us the most protection and pleasure. If you think about what you spend your time focusing on, what you value, those are things that bring you pleasure and protection. The question, though, is... Which values give you true protection and true pleasure? 
Because a lot of the time, we are focused here instead of here. We're about two inches past our nose in thinking forward and thinking ahead. And it's what can bring me pleasure here and protection here rather than protection in the long run and pleasure in the, lo- in the long run. I've got another list. Godly values versus selfish values. Godly values, accepting and enduring hardships, forgiveness, vulnerability, rebuking, but with the purpose of lifting up, gaining wealth to give it away, humility, deferring gratification, generosity, true character. Selfish values, avoiding difficulties, revenge, covering up weaknesses, relationships for pleasure or protection, knowledge for the sake of pride, riches for self, greed, and comfort. Which list do you more associate with? I look at this selfish values list and I think, there I am. I avoid difficulties. I try and cover up my weaknesses. A lot of the relationships that I have with other human beings are for my benefit. I build up knowledge for pride. I am constantly faced with fighting the battle of consumerism in our culture, of greed, and of comfort. Those values, though, don't bring me true protection and pleasure. You think about the experiences in your life, the decisions that you have made, the values that you focus on, and I have a feeling those are those values on that first list, the values like accepting and enduring hardships that bring character. Forgiveness that frees you instead of binding you like revenge and harboring anger. Being, being vulnerable so that other people around you can engage in honest, open relationships with you. Rebuking not for the purpose of pushing those around you down who are not as strong as you are, but with the purpose of building them up. Gaining wealth not so that you meet some status quo, but rather to give it away to those less fortunate than you. Humility, deferring gratification, letting others' lips praise you. Generosity, these are the things that bring true character. These are the things that make up God's values. These are the areas your treasure should be. C.S. Lewis has a great quote. I'm firmly confident that we should, as human beings, build character and not comfort. He says the Christian religion does not begin in comfort. It begins in dismay. In religion, as in war and everything else, comfort is the one thing you cannot get by looking for it. If you look for truth, you may find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, you will not get either comfort or truth, only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin with, and in the end, despair, 
We are addicted to externals as human beings. That phrase, judging a book by its cover, that's us. We look at our entire world judging books by their cover, and we also deal with our problems on a surface level. We are addicted to dealing with the effects of our problems rather than the source. When I was a kid, I had to do a lot of weeding, a lot of yard work for my parents, and we lived on three or four acres. And I remember going out, and there were two ways I could weed. One way where I'd go out with this hoe, and I'd go out there and I'd chop all the tops about an inch down through the soil of the weeds. And I'd rake it all clean and pick up the weeds, and my mom would come out and say, it looks so great, blah, blah, blah. And a week later, what would happen? There's like 45,000 more weeds than when I did it a week before. The principle is very simple. I wasn't going to the root of those weeds, and they actually grew up even stronger after I'd spent time dealing with them. That's oftentimes what we do with our problems. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The source is your treasure. My question is, is God your treasure? If you turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 2, the prophet there is speaking to the people. Uh, God is speaking through his prophet about decisions that they've been making. We'll start in verse 11 of chapter 2 of Jeremiah. God is rebuking his people because they constantly have traded um, the, the satisfaction and um, the blessing and the fullness and the joy that he has to offer them for something not quite uh, that. Verse 11, has a nation changed its gods, even though there are no gods, but my people have changed their glory for something that does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, says the Lord. That's a very interesting phrase. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate. God is calling the cosmos, the greater world, to the table of this issue and saying, you people, my people, whom I love, this is a bigger issue than just yourself and your sin. The, the, the veritable foundation stones, pillars of the earth are shaking because of the sin you are committing in your life as an individual. Our actions have ramifications outside of ourselves. Verse 13, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. And instead of dug out cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that can hold no water. In ancient Israel, there are essentially three forms of water. You had the river uh, or the lake, but because of the minerals in the lakes, many times you would just use the river as your water source. You would also use a well, and you would then use a cistern. And the purity level follows that gradient, river being the most pure, well, the water is still moving down underneath, so it's not as bad. The cistern, however, is a clay pot, clay jar in the ground, a very large one. So you dig the hole and you would fill it with basically clay, and then you would pour water in there. Now picture that water. That's stagnant, algae-infested. Every time you access the water in that cistern, you're kicking dirt in there. This is not clean water. 
And the cistern itself in this passage is not even functioning properly. It's cracked, nasty. Some of you have been to Yosemite or some of the Great Falls, maybe Multnomah Falls around here. You've seen the power of rushing water and its purity. Crystal clear, you can see 50 feet down. That is God. And God's saying, you have these two in your hands. You have the fountain of all living water, and you have a cracked, algae-infested, dirty cistern, and this is where you choose to get your nutrients. This is your source. And he's appalled. He doesn't get it. Why do we do that? The condition of your heart, your inner being is directly related to your relationship with God and the world. If you constantly take in impurities, you will exude impurity. If you fill your life with chaos through your decisions, it will be very hard for you to feel true peace. Alcohol, pornography, materialism, consumerism, violence, crude images, profanity, covetousness, greed, deceit, gossip, slander, drugs. And that list is by no means exhaustive. If these things form the substance of your heart's diet, you cannot possibly experience a healthy, full, satisfied life. You're dealing with the effects of your problems rather than the source. Those things cannot go hand in hand with God. He will not share you. He will not go with you down those paths because it's incompatible with his being. Think about that. Think about that fountain, that rushing waterfall and the cracked, algae-infested, dirty cistern. He's saying, I'm not there. These two can't play on the same field. True satisfaction in life and depravity. This morning, I want you to think about what you need to cut out of your life or add to your life to allow God to speak to you, to fix you, to fill you, to communicate with you, And what do you need to do to take that step this morning to change your source, change your focus? I'll say it one more time. Where is your treasure? Because where your focus, your values are, your treasure is where your innermost being will be as well. For some of us, it's a very simple step. It's stopping for a second and actually allowing the creator of the heavens and the earth, the source of all substance and joy to speak to you and you listen. And for some of us, it's just silence. Silence.